Hey everyone, and welcome to Currently Not Tripping. I'm here with my co-hosts, Chris and Lee. Say hey guys. Hello. Hello. This week's episode is going to be all about Group B, which is England, Iran, Wales, and the United States. And this week's episode is sponsored by Corinne W. from Washington, D.C., who wants to remind listeners to get out and vote. Thanks, Corinne. All right, so I think we'll get started with England. Chris, take us away. Tell us what they're about this time. Yeah, happy to. I'll preface this with uh, I have a cold, so if I seem a little less enthusiastic, that is why. That all being said, uh, I am happy to uh, pick up uh, where we left off with England. So um, I, I think to preface this, it's good to know that for all those that don't watch club soccer incredibly closely, it is uh, fairly fairly well known that England has the best club teams in Europe and the best league. Um, there are lots of teams outside of England that are better than England teams, Spain, uh, have a couple dominant teams, Real Madrid, Barcelona, um, and then you go over to Germany and you've got Bayern Munich and uh, Dortmund. Um, but you can list five, six, seven, eight teams that are usually pretty uh, competitive on the um, you know more global stage, um, playing other countries, other club teams, countries. So uh, usually when we look at teams, um, you know, they've got a lot of uh, players playing in different countries to go out and get more experience. You don't see that as much in England. You've got the majority of this team playing uh, in their respective uh, countries league. So a good bit of context before we get into this. Uh, in terms of history for England, um, they've been competing in the World Cup since 1950. They have entered all 18 subsequent tournaments. Since 1950, they have failed to qualify uh, for the finals on three different occasions, 74 in West Germany, 78 in Argentina, 94 against the United States. Woohoo! Uh, they've also failed to advance from the group stage on three occasions, 1950, 58, and 2014. Their best performance is winning the Cup. Uh, in 1966, uh, the tournament was held in England, and they beat West Germany to do it. Um, the, uh, in this game, uh, it's good to note a little tidbit after doing some research, Jeff Hurst became the first, uh, player, and it might be the only one that I know of, frankly, to score a hat trick in the World Cup final. Um, so some, uh, developing storylines for England here, um, I think there's a few different countries that have this, but. England have their major tournament curse. It's been a while since they've won or really replicated their form since 1966. Um, and frankly, they haven't done uh, as well in any of the other major global international stage tournaments either, uh, namely the Euros. Uh, they even managed a last place finish in the group stages of this year's Nation League, which is a group that included, uh, no offense, Hungary. Uh, this year is being defined as the make or break year for England's coach Gareth Southgate, uh, both for the coach and for the team. They're at a little bit of a uh, pinnacle in terms of their generation. Um, there are going to be some key players that are uh, well past their prime come 2026. Um, there's also a big question regarding some injuries, specifically in the back. Who will be playing in defense? You've got injuries to big names like Reese James. Kyle Walker, Ben Chilwell, and Calvin Phillips. So 
We're going to see some of the uh, uh, fill-ins there uh, will be really interesting. You've got the likes of Harry Maguire, who has just had terrible form recently. Um, he might have to be their staple going forward. So get into a few key players quickly. Um, very, very happy to note Harry Kane. Uh, for those of you who don't know, he plays for Tottenham in the Premier League. Uh, he's one of the best strikers out there on the global stage. Um, uh, one of said key players uh, that will be past his prime in 2026. Um, he can hold up play very well, and he's got an incredible strike of the ball. He scored earlier um, today um, against Liverpool, though I'm happy to say that Liverpool took that victory. Um, he has uh, come up the ranks through Tottenham, uh, through their farm system, which is always nice to see. Uh, in terms of England, the team will look to feed him the ball, and when the time is right, he'll look to hold up play and feed the likes of Raheem Sterling and Mason Mount, um, who will be playing on the wings most likely. Another key player, Harry Maguire. Um, I usually like to see they're the main man. Uh, in this case, he's more like the meme man in recent years because of how many times he's made brain dead plays. Uh, his form for Manchester United has been just god awful. Um, he hasn't been much better on the international stage, uh, pointing to the loss in the uh, Nations League that I just pointed out, um, out of the entire group stage. Uh, can he recreate his Premier League winning form from his time at Leicester, which was a long time ago? Uh, and at this point, um, you know, I don't see any um, big name replacements uh, without Harry Maguire. Um, you've got a, a couple folks that are that are up there, but you'll find that a lot of the folks on these teams, um, the English teams have international defenders that take the place of. Some of these English defenders, um, so they're not always getting starting spots. Final key player, Declan Rice, plays for West Ham. He's definitely England's future and currently their unsung hero. Um, he's the West Ham captain. And he lets all the others play around him uh, creatively and has a knack for being in the right place at the right time. He plays a defensive uh, mid-role, uh, can get up every once in a while. He's good good on the ball. Uh, he's an invaluable defensive asset, um, and their defense is going to crumble without his protection. What do they do well? They attack. Uh, they have firepower and creativity in Kane, Sterling, and Mount. The rest of the team will look to feed these key players. Their midfield is strong with the likes of Jude Bellingham and Declan Rice. Uh, Jude adds a little bit more creativity. Uh, and then you've got Declan Rice, who's definitely more of a shooting the defense. Um, and they're going to struggle in defense. Um, like I said before, if they're able to build up some cohesiveness between them and fix the leaky faucet, uh, that will allow Harry and the boys to score more goals and, you know, hopefully more enough than they concede. So I expect uh, England to successfully exit the group stage, um, likely be out in the quarterfinals, probably due to injuries. And my guess is their defense just doesn't hold up. Wow, that's awesome. That's a ton of information. Um, they are a really strong team. I, I would not be surprised if they uh, even went a little bit further than the quarterfinals. Um, yeah, Lee, I agree with you on that. They definitely have that opportunity. Um, they have a lot of just really, really untimely injuries, and you hate to see it. Um, if I would rate them likely a little higher, if the the likes of Reese James was back in there, Kyle Walker is a huge miss for Man City. Um, but again, you know, they've got a lot of quality uh, in that country in terms of players. They can definitely bring up some folks that are maybe not at that level, but not too far off. Sounds good. 
So Lee, who do uh, who do they remind you of? England kind of reminds me of a classy team. Um, they they kind of feel like they they've been on the world stage a long time. You, you recognize it as a household name. The only comparison I really draw it to is a team that has way more success, but similar in many other regards. That's the New York Yankees, uh, a team that's you know been known to have essentially dynasties out there. They they're just known around the global stage. No particular team from the Yankees. Like no no specific year, but I just sense that you know people know England, people know the Yankees. That that that's all I can draw. Yeah, I like that comparison. I think that's pretty good. Um, I think England will be flattered with that comparison, and I think uh, they'd also <laughs> like to have won as many times as the Yankees have won. But yeah. maybe uh, maybe they'll change that soon. Yeah. Okay. So now I'll uh, I'll take us through Iran. So. Iran has been to the five previous World Cup tournaments, and they've not been a strong team in the past, having only won two total games in their 15 World Cup games played. Uh, Starting with the 1998 World Cup, the Iranians have only missed qualifying twice. So they typically get through the Asian qualification process. Uh, This team had a golden age back in the late 60s and 70s, where they won three consecutive Asian Cups. However, they have not won one since. Though in 2019, they came in third place, their best showing in a while. Again, the flawed FIFA World Rankings does have Iran as the 20th best team in the world. But fun fact, in the two games they played against Cambodia in the World Cup qualifying rounds, they won by a combined score of 24 to nothing. All right, so for storylines for this team, we got two big ones. Um, On the football side of things, The coaching situation has been very bizarre leading up to the World Cup. After the 2018 World Cup, their winningest and most successful coach departed after eight years at the helm. The Iran Footballing Association hired a Belgian who ended up having a poor run of form and was let go in 2020. So they hired a Croatian coach named Dragan Skocic as the head coach, but he had mixed success and the team was divisive in keeping him. So naturally, in July, just four months away from the World Cup, They fire their coach, then six days later, reinstate him as head coach, then fire him again to bring back the coach from the previous two World Cups, Carlos Quiroz. There's a lot of taboo in world football about firing a coach who qualified you to the World Cup before the World Cup. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But if anybody can take a team just mere months before the World Cup and get something out of them, it's got to be a coach that is. Uh, taken them to their last two World Cups and is familiar with the core of this team. So the other storyline for Iran is the ongoing Masa Amini protests and the protests against the mandatory hijab law. With significant unrest back in Iran, how will this affect the team? In their prep match against Senegal on September 27th, the team wore black jackets without the Iranian logo on them. The team uniforms were not visible, and some of the team members tweeted solidarity with the protesters. A previous national team player, who might have even been a captain if I'm remembering correctly, was arrested during the protests as well. So how will that affect the team? Are they going to be dwelling on that? Are they going to use that to fire them up? It remains to be seen, but we're looking forward to finding out. So key players. This team is led by two forwards, Mehdi Taremi and Sardar Azmoun. Taremi is a fantastic goal scorer for his club team Porto in Portugal, and Asmun is less prolific for his club in Germany, but has a strong record with the national team. 
A major concern for the team is the right calf injury to Asmoon, said to be out for six to eight weeks after his early October injury. Um, but if he rushes back, will he be fit enough to help the team? Or would he get re-injured? We're not sure. But hopefully he can be back because Iran is a better team with him in it. So what do they do well? Iran does not typically like to have the ball as much as the rest of this group. So they'll likely be forced to play counterattacking football, which suits the players available, such as Taremi, because they're tall and strong. The defense is very capable of withstanding most attacks, but staying focused for the full game could be the difference maker. In the group itself, the U.S. relations with Iran are not great, so there might be some extra incentive to beat the U.S. So what they struggle with, like what could hold them back, is the midfield does not have a lot of options. Their best midfielder, who I am um, definitely going to struggle with pronouncing this one, Yahan Bakash, has some ability but is far from a household name. The holding midfielder is aging and backup options are few and far between. The unrest at home might impact their focus and cause struggles on the field to boot. So expectations. Uh, Iran knows that England are likely to sit top of this group, but they fancy their chances against the USA and Wales. The expectations are that they fight hard and compete for second in the group. No Iranian team has ever made it out of the group stage, so all the players want to be the first ever team to do it. Outside of the troubling midfield, this might be Iran's most talented team ever. So we'll see what happens, but they're looking for that second place. Might be difficult. Yeah, that's a great preview, Nick. Um, I liked uh, learning a little bit more about what they've got going on politically. Unfortunately, my guess is a scenario like that would probably hold them back, would be less, uh, more of a disadvantage and much less of an advantage, just based on how seriously subjects like that are taken over there. Um, but again, I've you know, never been in a, a culture like that before I'm speculating. It is also interesting, uh, your note on their relationship with the U.S., you know, do they put all their firepower into one game and really take it to the U.S.? The question is, where does that leave the U.S.? You know, then they're dealing with England and Wales, which are, I would, you know, guess respectively better teams uh, than Iran. Um, but I don't know. It's it's going to be really interesting and a little bit of an obstacle course for the U.S. if that's the case. Definitely. I look forward to seeing how that game goes. Um, I do think that Taremi is uh, an incredible player, and I think he could be a huge difference maker here. So, Lee, do you have any comparison for Iran? Yeah, I have one, but I don't really feel like it's a good one. It's 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 the one that is fresh on my mind, being a you know native to Boston. Um, whenever you talk about drama with the coach, hate to say it, but the Boston Celtics of this last offseason kind of went through a little bit of that. Um, you know, I. I don't really want to go too much into detail because I don't necessarily condone his behavior, but, um, you know, coaching turnover is also a big part of sports. It's it's something where you got to make the, the adjustments as a team and you don't always expect them in the middle of a season. And I guess you can kind of you can kind of um, draw a parallel here to the World Cup where you're, you're trying to prepare for such a big event and your coaching is uh, kind of in flux. So, you know, the. It doesn't happen often in pro sports, and I'm just going with the example I know is the most recent and kind of dear to me. So this year's Celtics. Yeah, I like that. I don't have anything to add. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, great. I like it. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's got to be our uh, our tagline there. Awesome. Thanks, Lee. All right. Now we're going to jump into Wales with Chris. Yeah. Um, we're going <laughs> to jump into Wales. Yeah, this uh, uh, overview should be a little shorter than England. Wales has not been in the World Cup for uh, a while. Uh, not a lot of history here. Uh, this is uh, one of the major underdog stories and, uh, frankly, a testament to Gareth Bale, by far and away their star player, um, that they're here in the first place. Uh, the only time Wales have entered this tournament and made it to the quarterfinals, mind you, they did quite well in their one entry was 1958. Uh, they beat Hungary in a playoff to progress to the quarters, and then they were beaten by Brazil, whose only scorer for that game was none other than Pele himself. So can't, you know, take give him uh, uh, too much uh, discredit for that. Pele is quite the player. and He's a team beater, frankly, on his day. So uh, some storylines uh, coming out of Wales right now is Gareth Bale. Uh, he's just coming back to fitness. In his days at Real Madrid, his club team, um, he was... Uh, left to go to LAFC, an MLS team in America, where he's, uh, besides yesterday, played just 60 minutes coming off the bench um, in the, you know, let's see, half year he's been there. Uh, he did play yesterday in the MLS final and scored the tying last gasp goal uh, to progress LAFC to penalties in which they ended up uh, winning over Philadelphia. So that will be a big boost for Bale. Uh, his contribution while he's played little in his time at LAFC, what he has done has been of great impact. So um, he'll look to take that momentum, continue his fitness ahead of the, the first Wales game. Though he is an integral player to the team, the word team is here, right? It's not just Bale. Uh, Aaron Ramsey is another world-class name that will look to uh, work with Bale in the midfield and carry the team out of the group stage. Um, key players. It's Gareth Bale. <laughs> Need I say more? Uh, he will always find uh, his best form with Wales, um, and I expect the same for this tournament. He always seems to do uh, uh, just spectacular on the international stage, even though his form may uh, ebb and flow when it comes to his club teams. Um, every other team playing him will look to double and triple team him, unfortunately. Some things they do well, uh, they are a very well-rounded team for me, and it's challenging to pick one division of their collective. So if I had to pick, attacking is probably their best asset just with Bale. They are uh, setting up in a three-man defense, uh, defense, excuse me, allowing rampant wingbacks Connor Roberts and Nico Williams to flood forward and Bale to operate from his favorite right flank. I think that their lack of quality uh, is going to be something that's going to hold them back. Uh, Wales is coming close to putting all their eggs in one basket. They have been very resilient in defense to get here, but will that hold up in this major tournament? Uh, prime example of their lack of quality is manager Rob Page's willingness to pick multiple players from fourth-tier leagues throughout many countries around the globe, um, looking for just decent Wales players. Uh, my expectations is they advance past the group stage and become a little bit of an underdog, but are knocked out immediately in the round of 16. That would be very interesting to see if they could get that far, because uh, it really made it sound like they don't have any depth whatsoever. So it's going to be really interesting to see. 
Um, I will say, though, that as a Barcelona fan, Gareth Bale has been one of my favorite Real Madrid players of all time because for the last five years during the club season, he's been way more interested in playing golf and not playing soccer. Uh, But Chris, you're right. He always finds a way to bring it with Wales. So it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, I've always loved watching him when he started in the Premier League. He started at Southampton, which is a feeder team, frankly, for all the top tier leagues in England, but uh, was snapped up by uh, Tottenham. And that's where we really hit the stage. I remember one of the first times he came onto my radar was in the Champions League versus um, Inter. And uh, he scored two just beautiful goals that game. And Frankly, they were solo goals. It's him uh, bobbing and weaving through the midfield, you know, not really uh, anybody being able to catch up to him and just scoring screamers. So, again, my I, I, I love a little bit of a story here. I want them to make it into the round of 16. But again, this is all dependent on Gareth Bale. If he, if he comes out, he shows his stuff. I think they have a good chance to get out of the group. If not, um, they're going to fall. They're going to sink like a rock. Um, And that's an unfortunate way to talk about this side, but that's a harsh reality for them. Yeah, guess we'll find out. Lee? So the history of uh, Wales being in the World Cup kind of reminded me of a pretty cool underdog story that goes back, I don't know, 10 plus years now. a really historic run in the playoffs or the postseason, rather. This is baseball. I'm I'm going back to the 2007 when the Red Sox won the World Series, but their opponent was the Colorado Rockies. Now that team had one hell of an end of the season and postseason run. So they had a record of 76 and 72 in mid-September, and they went on to win, I think it was 21 out of the next 22 games just to get into the playoffs and then to beat um, two more teams and make it to the World Series. I just think of, um, you know, they didn't win. And um, to Wales' comparison, you know, Wales has never won the World Cup either. Um, that was just one of the coolest kind of underdog stories that I've witnessed personally. And so that that just brought memories of that offseason or postseason, rather, when I was following the Red Sox closely at that time. Very cool. Was there uh, any specific player on that team who was as integral to their success as Gareth Bale is in Wales? <laughs> was it uh was it Bichette? No. I think that's when um Troy Tulowitzki really came on the scene, right? That he was their shortstop. Um he he had a monster offseason. That was I think one of Todd Helton's one of um last seasons uh in the league. He had a pretty fine career at that time too. And you know, the Rockies are not a team that people recognize as a as a great baseball franchise. Um average at best, I would say. So it's just kind of cool to see those runs happen. That's what makes sports exciting. It's just whenever you have these great underdog stories and you root for them and see how far they can go. Okay. I like Gareth Bale is Todd Helton. And then Troy Tulowitzki's upcoming. So we'll see some young whale and uh, play strong. Yeah, really rooting for that Monica Lewinsky. Thanks. All right. Perfect. Okay. So let's move on. Um, Now I'll take us through the United States. So the U.S., had a strong run of form and qualified for seven World Cups in a row, but that came crashing down when they failed to qualify for the 2018 World Cup. Tensions were high heading into the 2022 World Cup, 
but the U.S. were able to qualify, even if it was a little close for comfort. The best ever finish at a World Cup for us was third place, all the way back at the very first World Cup in 1930. In 2002, the team made it all the way to the quarterfinals and has made it out of the group stage in the previous two World Cups they attended. So we've had some uh, some levels of success. We haven't made it all the way there, but maybe we will at some point. So the storyline around this team, the players from the U.S. have been gaining international traction. The team has had key players on title-winning teams at the highest levels. More and more Americans are getting looks and big moves to European sides. The story around this team, though, is their age and experience. They are young, and they are more primed for the 2026 World Cup on home soil than this World Cup in Qatar. But I think they can pull out something special here. So key players... Players to watch for out for on our team are Christian Pulisic at Ford, who plays for Chelsea in the English League, and you may have heard of them. Some other studs on this team are Weston McKenney, who plays in Italy and puts a ranch on his pizza in front of the Italians, so you know he's tough. Tyler Adams in midfield, he's our enforcer. Not a huge guy, but he lives for the conflict. And one more interesting one would be Timothy Weah, whose father is literally the president of another country, Liberia in West Africa. The U.S. coach has been criticized for his in-game tactics and team selection, but no one can argue with his recruitment. During this World Cup cycle, he has identified many dual nationals and convinced many to join the team and the project they are building. Key dual nats include Yunus Musa in the midfield, who previously captained the English youth national teams, and is my dark horse pick to be the MVP of the U.S. team. And Serginho Dest who was born and raised in the Netherlands to Surinamese American father and a Dutch mother. He recently played for Barcelona and now plays for AC Milan. So what they do well. This team is likely the most technically strong team the U.S. has ever put together in recent memory, that is. Uh, The depth of this team is a strength. The team plays England on Black Friday, and you know our guys are going to be roaring to go against the English on a day that will likely bring the most watched USMNT game to date. In the 2010 World Cup, we were in the same group as England and tied them to open the tournament. Beating these teams is well within reach. I remember that game back in 2010 because the headline in uh, American newspapers were, we win one-to-one. What they struggle with, what could hold them back, injuries. Every team is dealing with injuries, but during the World Cup qualifying, the center-back pairing of Zimmerman and Miles Robinson was a strength for the team until Robinson went down with a major injury. The subsequent exile of John Brooks meant we were lacking in depth at the center-back position. Many different center-backs have been tested, but none have shown brightly alongside Zimmerman. A shaky defense could tumble a good team quick. There are a lot of problems up front where many different strikers have tried and failed to establish themselves as the U.S.'s goal-scoring threat. There are a few hot hands at the moment, so it'll be interesting to see who gets on the plane to Qatar for the U.S. The final roster will be coming out on November 9th, which is probably right around when this is coming out. So take a look at that and find out who made the plane. Uh, Expectations, even with the injuries, a group stage first or second place is expected. If a group stage exit happens and the team does not look good, I would expect the coach to be fired. The team is primed for 2026, but this is the perfect opportunity to make sure the world knows we are coming. That was a great analysis, Nick. I, um, in my own prediction of this group stage, have them falling third or fourth. 
doesn't matter to me which one they do. It's unfortunate. This is going to be just such an unpopular opinion. And I don't like saying it <laughs> as an American, but um, I think that Wales will be underdogs. I think that England will take the top spot. I think the naivete, a lot of the key points that you, um, you know, underscored there, Nick, their naivete, especially at the top stage um, on international football, is going to really hurt them a lot uh, when it comes to playing more mature teams that have been here uh, maybe a few more times. Uh, Wales is not a good example of that, but I think they just cruised through with Gareth. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how Christian Pulisic does in this for me. And frankly, um, you know, if he can recreate his form for Chelsea, I think this group uh, has a, a good chance of getting through. I also want to say that uh, I think Bearhalter, wherever, unless they win the tournament or at least come in second or third, I think Bearhalter leaves um, no matter what. I think his time is up. I think there's uh, enough people in the uh, U.S. Federation of Soccer that are just sick of him. Uh, certainly, if they don't exit the group stage, they will jettison him from the plane on the way back. <laughs> that would be funny. Uh, I hope they give him a parachute. So, Lee, who do we remind you of? I mean, this is America's team right here. Got to be the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, if you think about it, there's no other team that draws this kind of comparison when you think about, I don't know, just the homeland, right? Everyone in the United States knows about the Dallas Cowboys. They they are also a team that's just always been there on the grand stage and has had moderate success. Um, it, I think it's just more about the familiarity of the team itself than what they are able to put out on the field. But Cowboys have been known to have some good seasons and put out, you know, multiple All-Stars and Hall of Famers. Um, actually, I don't even know if All-Stars is a football thing, but I just made it one. Yeah, it's... Pro Bowl? Pro Bowl? Pro Bowlers. That, yeah, I think that's it. Um, yeah, go Cowboys. Go Team USA. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> Just because I don't like the Cowboys. But I do think it's a good comparison. All right. So I think it's that time we go into the predictions. So, Chris, you already kind of tipped your hand with this one, saying England wins and Wales second. Do you have anything more to say about that? Yeah, not too much more. Otherwise, then I just don't like my pick. I feel like I feel like a bad American making this pick. I would love put it this way. I think England goes first. I think Wales goes second. I think uh, the USA definitely picked third. I don't want that to happen. <laughs> I what I would love to see happen is Wales go first or no. What I want to see happen is the USA go first and then Wales take second and make it onto the big stage. If Wales can come close to recreating their form the only other time they've made this tournament, which is getting to the quarterfinals, that would be really exciting to see. All right. Lee, who you got? I got to root for the USA, but I don't think they're the, the best team in the group. So the USA, I kind of have as a clear second. Um, topping off the group is probably going to be England. And I say that just because of what I know of their historical performance. That there, There's nothing that really stands out to me in this group, um, aside from the fact that Iran has no chance of moving on from the other three teams. And, you know, a feel-good story in Wales would be nice, but I don't think this is their year. Okay. And for mine, I'm going to say that Iran doesn't have all of their ducks in a row and they can't make it work. Uh, I'm also going to say that Wales 
being a one-man show, aren't going to get it done. And I think with all the crowd and everything going on, I'm going to say the USA beats England on Black Friday, and they win the group, England second. That's a really interesting uh, prediction and point. Um, It would be interesting to see England come in second and USA take first. That would buoy them a lot farther than I think they would normally make it past the group stage. I think if they take first spot, they bring a lot of momentum with them. A big youthful group like that is just going to run, you know, full speed ahead into the round of 16. Beyond that, um, you're going to start getting into the, you know, the teams that deserve making it there. You could say USA did that as well, but I think their run um, will be uh, lacking some jet fuel by the end of it. Okay. Well, looking forward to finding out. So I think that's it for Group B. Join us next time as we dive into Group C. Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, and Poland. Thanks, everybody. Can't wait. Bye, all.